This is Scripture Read Badly. A podcast where two grown-up pastor's kids discuss the stories of the Bible in chronological order. Attempting to avoid heresy and generally having a good time. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Ryan. Sit back and rejoice. Today's verse comes from the book of Judges, uh, chapter 9, verse 10. And the trees said to the fig tree, You come and reign over us. This is a great example of where Tolkien got the idea for Ents that would talk to each other and have uh, political structures. And it also shows us how that we we should organise our governments by getting the fig tree... To reign over us, the fig tree, of course, is um, is a good example of like old, good for your bowels, fruited people. Mm-hmm. So we should elect people that are good for our bowels, i.e., good for our trash services, good at cleaning the lakes, good at cleaning other things, good for animals. You know, the left. <laughs> we should all vote to the left, and this verse tells us. Uh. This is Scripture Read Badly, and I'm Jeremy My name is Randall. Ryan, and I love a good Entmoot. Uh, but I... I, dis- I love moots I, altogether. Yeah, <laughs> I disagree with your, uh, with your assumptions there, and I think I would give you a piece of advice uh, well known to be given by Treebeard, and that is don't be hasty. But I love being hasty. That's how you make good decisions. That's true. Especially political ones. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. So, uh, as you'll remember, last time on the podcast, we talked about Gideon and how at the end of his life, things kind of not so much fell apart as kind of fizzled out, uh, which was a sad way to go because he had a very promising beginning. Um, very one of the very promising <laughs> one of the final details given to us about Gideon was that he had a son who he named whom he named Abimelech and Abimelech means my father is king so it was one of Gideon's last statements last public statements I am the king I rule this nation and that was kind of the way that Israel was going and it says immediately following Gideon's death Israel uh, I think they were just waiting for for an excuse to swap over which god they worshipped. Maybe uh, secretly they were worshipping Yahweh. Uh, sorry, worshipping Baal. But outwardly they said that they were worshipping Yahweh. And then as soon as Gideon died, they said, "All right, there's no one to kind of quote unquote keep us accountable anymore." Even though Gideon was kind of a bit of a so and so, but uh, now we can do whatever we want and. We're not going to respect Gideon's family whatsoever. So we're, today we're talking about Abimelech and the conspiracy surrounding him uh, and then seeing how far we get uh, after chapter 9. So, uh, Jeremy, why don't you take it away while I get stuck into my dinner that I'm eating, a lovely taco bowl uh, prepared for me by my wonderful wife. Is Thursday taco night? <laughs> It seems like every Thursday you're having tacos. It does seem like that. We have we have Mexican food each week. Um, okay. Sometimes twice a week. <laughs> so, yeah. Every night is taco night if it's up to me. Nice. Uh, I'm about to go into soup season, so I will be having soup most of the time. And it's mm. a delicious already. In fact, we had Thanksgiving last weekend, and I got a whole chicken... I mean, turkey carcass to make turkey stock out of. And Ooh. then I made some soups out of it. Nice. Delicious. Anyway, to Abimelech. So, his uh, background is his mother was a concubine and his father was Gideon. And his mother was a concubine from a different land called Shechem. Yep. And so he returns to his mother's land. Gideon would sh- Shechem up, if you know what I mean. He would Shechem up. Yeah. But, and he probably didn't want his son to go back. But his son... Uh, growing up in this household that uh, saw themselves as royalty and his name is royalty. Shechem's in Manasseh, by the way. 
So it, it's just, oh, it's so a it's different, different tribe, but it's not a different land. Okay. And he goes with the idea we see of getting some kind of power and influence over the people. Because I don't think he was one of the older child children of Gideon. So he wasn't going to get much power there. So he goes to his mother's household with the idea of getting power and influence. And... Gideon has seven, seven sons of, 70 sons. That's so many. But that's uh, as many as Gideon had, I think. So he was just doing what his dad did. Mm-hmm. Yep. 70 sons. Yeah, yeah. Gideon had 72. And so this is a ridiculously large family, and you wonder where he had his 70 sons, if it was back in Gideon's land or his mother's lands. Mm. And... He comes with this idea of why would you want the 70 sons of Jerubbabel to rule over you or would you prefer one to rule over you? Remember also that I am your bone and your flesh. Uh, the one king to rule them all. Exactly. Lord of the so Rings. Just, anyway, he probably does in later verses. <coughs> and his mother's relatives spoke all his words on his behalf in the ears of all the leaders of Shechem and their hearts inclined to follow Abimelech for they said, he is our brother. And they mm. gave him 70 pieces of silver uh, out of the house of the god that they worshipped, mm-hmm. with which Abimelech hired worthless and reckless fellows who followed him. And so you have this the start of this plan of getting rid of a lot of people. Yep. It's paid for by these leaders out of... The god that they're not supposed to be worshipping. And so all of this is pretty um, offensive to God, offensive to what he was hoping that the people of Israel would do, and probably very similar to the cultures outside of Israel, which was the opposite of what God wanted as well. Right, so he's attempting Uh, a power grab out from underneath 70 people that come before him in line. Yeah, most definitely. And he's, he's recruiting the support of the people from his city. Yeah, and from his mother's people. So this is almost setting up two tribes against each other, right? Which is kind of dumb. And that's that's kind of uh, well, it, uh, this isn't too far removed from what we saw earlier with the Benjamite civil war. Um, no, exactly. In that tribe against tribe, it's kind of the the pits of uh, of as as far as Israel goes with their depravity in the Book of Judges. So this is showing that they have not improved. Whatsoever. And they're not doing their civilization, like their fruitfulness, any favors by getting rid of 70 men who could sire 70 other children. Right. Like, if they're pumping out 70 children each, they could grow their civilization so quickly and influence uh, the trade routes and influence all of these other people on behalf of God, which was God's hope. Yeah. But now they're just like, no, let's kill each other. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. So dumb. So he goes to his father's house and he kills his brothers, the sons of Jerubbabel slash Gideon, 70 men, one on one stone. So this is quite an effort to kill 70 people on the same spot. Uh, But Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubbabel, which is another... um, Because Gideon was the youngest or was the, the least worthy, just like this son... And so it's almost happening again. Now, I, but Jotham, I want to ask you something about how Abimelech kills 70 people. Oh, right. He would have gone there with the support of all the people from his clan and, and everything. So it wasn't, it wasn't yeah, and like... he took the workers and he took other murderers It with wasn't like Assassin's Creed where you as one person can face up against 40 people who each attack you one at a time. And you slowly just counterattack uh, every single one of them no. until there's this massive pile of bodies. <laughs> so that, that's not what we're looking at here. He's leading a, no. an army against 70 people. Or he could have done it the secret way of, like, taking them away to the rock. Like, hey, brother, let's hang out. And then stab and put him on the rock. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It could be a few different things. But the symbolism seems to be that his influence and his power... He's trying to shock people because he's killed 70 people in the same spot. But sure. he doesn't kill 70. He only kills 69. Uh-oh. Because one of them hides. I've forgotten what verse he is in. Uh, 
six. Yes. So he hid himself. And all the leaders of Shechem came together, and they went and made Abimelech king by the oak of the pillar at Seshon. So this is before Do you say Seshon? Uh, like the delicious Asian Szechuan. sauce? Yeah, by the oak tree of Szechuan, of, of where Szechuan they make the delicious beef. sauce. Mm-hmm. Szechuan beef. So, so this is the, this is a king before we find Saul. So right. this is not a king of all of Israel. This is just a king of, of Shechem? Szechuan. Right. The, the king of Szechuan. The king of Szechuan. Uh, right, because I was going to say, this is Israel's first king. But it's not the first king of Israel. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. All right, so there's a piece of Bible trivia for you. If you are wondering uh, who the first king in Israel was, it was actually... It was Sheshwan. Abimelech by the Pillar of Sheshwan. <laughs> Delicious. And he is made. This king is made. He is not uh, married in. He's not... Appointed by anyone religious, he mm-hmm. is made by an uprising of people that he started. Right. Bad and circumstances. Super bad circumstances. But interesting, when you go back to Exodus 18, uh, and God calls for leaders to be known, to be chosen, and to be something else. And this almost gets that, which is interesting, I think, but it's off the back of murder and terrible circumstances which is terrible yep bad way to go about Abimelech very much so Mm -hmm. so when it was told to Jotham who is the kid that um, hid he went and stood on top of the Mount Gerizim and cried aloud and said to them listen to me you leaders of Sheshwan that God may listen to you the trees once went out to anoint a king over them and they said to the olive tree reign over us But the olive tree said to them, Shall I leave my abundance by which gods and men are honoured, and go hold sway over the trees? And the trees said to the fig tree, You come and reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, Shall I leave my sweetness and my good fruit, and go hold sway over the trees? And the trees said to the vine, You come and reign over us. But the vine said to them, Shall I leave my wine that she is God and men, and go hold sway over them? So this is like two pretty good trees in this uh, picture example, who are asked, you should come reign over us, and they're being like, no, I've got a sweet life here, and I have a calling, and I have a, a reason to exist. I'm not going to uproot myself and be something I'm not. Yep. 14. Then all the trees said to the bramble, and bramble is terrible, and it's like a weed, you come reign over us. And the bramble said to the trees, if in good faith you are anointing me king over you, then come and take refuge in my shade. But if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. The cedars of Lebanon were these huge trees that were used for a lot of different things, including the temple, and they were looked on as very expensive and very rich and very opulent. Yep. And so if you were going to devour the cedars of Lebanon, that's quite a big deal. Mm-hmm. So And so we, yeah. we know that this... Uh, this parable that he's telling, this Entmoot, would have taken weeks and weeks and weeks because it takes forever for ants to say anything to each other in their very low, slow language. Um, exactly. But this is pretty interesting in that it's a parable that he cries out kind of in defiance of the uh, the appointment of Abimelech as king of Shechem. So he's standing on top of Mount Gerizim, which is... I supp- it says that he cries aloud so that they hear. So it seems as though he's picking a prominent position in the city, or at least just outside the city, where people can hear him, where the people that have appointed Abimelech as king can hear this parable that he's telling. And he's stating fairly plainly that Abimelech is a bramble, and yep. him and all his brothers... Uh, this guy Jotham and all his brothers are these other trees that have purpose uh, that is not being a king so it's pretty bold I would say to by, by yourself to go against an entire city that want to kill you who may, yeah. may not even know that you survived maybe they didn't count yeah, very yeah, well yeah exactly why would you after like 10 bodies that's right why is there a cat outside? There's a cat outside. Whoa, sweet. What sort of cat? 
Oh, wow. <laughs> Go away, cat. I want you here. Go away, cat. Uh, and then we get into verse 16. Now, therefore, oh, if you acted in good faith and integrity when you made Abimelech king, and if you have dealt well with Jerubal and his house and have done to him as his deeds deserved, for my father fought for you and risked his life, yep. and delivered you from Midian, and you have risen up against my father's house this day and have killed his sons, 70 men, he counted wrong too, on one stone, <laughs> and have made Abimelech, the son of his female servant, Oof. king over the leaders of Shechem, because he is your relative. If you then have acted in good faith and integrity with Jerubal and with his house this day, then rejoice and let him also rejoice in you. But if not... Let fire come out from Abimelech and devour the leaders of Shechem and Beth Milo. And let fire come out from the leaders of Shechem and from Beth Milo and devour. So it's like, so may you fight each other until everyone dies. And then Jotham runs away and flees a long way away because he knew he would probably get slaughtered very quickly. But it's just he, an he interesting does, he does curse. What, he does what many people do when they're running away from their problems. He goes to beer. And Ooh, true, and he does. lives in beer. Um, something I I want to quickly jump in and say, uh, just as a, an aside before we get back to uh, that passage, is that Jerobal, that is the name of Gideon, uh, meant let Baal contend with him. So, when whenever it says Jerobal, it's making a statement about who Gideon was. His title in God's eyes was the opponent to Baal. And so as soon as he died, that's when they worshipped Baal openly. I guess because the contender to Baal was dead. So maybe that is... Uh, maybe it was just the fact that his name was was known as the contender against Baal. Um, that there is so much emphasis placed on it because now they are worshipping Baal. So it's showing that they are in opposition to their father's call. Yep. All right. That's, that's all I wanted to say. Jerubal! So you have this interesting moment of this kid climbing a mountain and yelling at these powerful leaders that have murdered all of his brothers. Yep. Then and he, he runs away to the pub. Shared them this vision, which makes a little bit of sense. Yep. And then curses them yep. to destroy themselves if... They have not done well towards his father, and then runs away. And so you wonder, because we know that they didn't do his father well, so then it's like, ooh, how is this going to carry out? How is this um, fire going to come out at mm. each other? Uh, so it says, Abimelech ruled over Israel three years. Right, so he wasn't just the king of Shechem then. I guess Shechem became ooh, the, the headquarters for his reign. Which is wow. interesting. So he was the first king of Israel. We've been yeah. lied to as children. We have been. It was not Saul. Change, change everything that you know. <laughs> Just change it off. I'm going to. And Shechem, Shechem is a central, Shechem. central city. Um, you'll find it, Jeremy, on our Google Docs map, right in the okay. center, uh, at the bottom of the green Manasseh, on the left. Green Manasseh. So just north of the Ephraim border um, and north of Shiloh, which is a place that we might know the name of because of something to do with King David. Um, right, so he, he ruled over Israel three years, probably because he was the only public surviving member of Gideon's rule. So they thought, well, this yep. is kind of... Gideon was already essentially king, so... This guy's just leading after him like everyone else does, so I guess that's fine. But then, an interesting intervention comes from God, allegedly. It says that he sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the leaders of Shechem. And the leaders of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech. So, 
so the violence done to the 70 sons of Jeroboam might come and their blood be laid on Abimelech, their brother, who killed them. So they are conspiring against Abimelech who conspired against his own brothers. So the, um. the elders, the people that assisted him in killing all the brothers, are now plotting to uh, blame him alone for the slaughter and take him out. But yep. what do you feel about the the phrase "God sent an evil spirit"? Uh, or harmful, a few harmful things. spirit. That's another or another interpretation. Spirit. Because it's similar to the language used for Pharaoh. Okay. Yeah. When God hardened his heart, and then the fruit of that is his people get murked by the plagues and similar to the book of Job when that or that kind of language happens and you wonder if it's a similar or like a a different side to the same coin of the language that is used for uh, God bringing in other cultures to punish the Israelites okay or God taking his hand of protection away from them so anyone can come in. Right. And mm-hmm. so maybe if Abimelech and the leaders of Shechem had been nice to each other and cried out to the Lord and repented and stuff, yep. God had, would have kept his protective hand over them. But instead he sends an evil spirit in the guise of not protecting them anymore. Right. Because as Jesus says, uh, why do you call me good? I'm not good. The only good is the Father. Mm -hmm. And so sending an evil spirit doesn't super sound like a good thing. No. So it could be just in the language or it could be the writers interpreting what happened as God sending a spirit. But either way, it's God making good on the possible prophetic statement that old mates there, Jotham. Yep. Or it could be the Holy Spirit convicting one side or the other. And so the leaders of Shechem get convicted like, whoa, we shouldn't have killed 70 people. This sucks. And it's that guy's fault. Mm -hmm. Or it's our fault, but we don't want to take the blame. We'll blame that guy. So a combination of convicting and just sinful nature. Mm -hmm. But whatever, they start... A huge conflict, and this is which is like conniving and secret and public. Yeah, it's pretty intense. So the the language used, God sending an evil spirit, is similar to uh, King Saul being tormented by an evil spirit, and David coming and playing the harp for him, and having the oh, yeah. spirit go away. Um, so, so I wonder if evil spirit uh, could be. The convicting of the Holy Spirit. Uh, But just the language is weird. Maybe. Maybe. But I I think I would be more inclined to think of it as the withdrawal of goodness. Because if if you withdraw light from a place, then it is immediately filled with darkness. And I think something like that might be the case with, with what we're looking at here. But it might not be. I might be wrong. But if it is the case, if it's the the light being turned off or light withdrawing from a place and being filled with darkness then it's similar to what happened with Job allegedly um, with God saying I'm going to withdraw my protection and then what naturally happens is the light the the void is now filled with darkness so um, like you said this could just be the conviction that what happened was wrong and so they started thinking, this is this is bad, we need to take this guy out. So maybe it is that they were convicted, or they could be doing this out of an evil, proud heart, like what yep. they did with the initial overthrowing. So uh, either way, there is some trouble ahead for Abimelech. Uh, trouble ahead! Yeah, so they, they attempt to ambush him on the mountaintops. And they robbed all who passed by them along the way. And it was told to Abimelech. So this is the uh, the men of Shechem. So it looks like it's the, the leaders of Shechem, the ones who were now opposed to Abimelech, the ones who helped him, have kind of taken 
the rest of the men of Shechem, the ones that helped him uh, kill his brothers, and are, have turned the entire town against him. Maybe. Or at least they're using yep. them for their own game. Which is one way to take out a king. Yep. Which is also Mutiny. almost the same way that he became the king. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He just started rumours. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then uh, Gal, the son of Ebed, moved into Shechem with his relatives and the leaders of Shechem put confidence in him. So we don't really know who Gal is up to this point. Uh, nope. Uh, aside from the fact that he's the son of Ebed, um, which I assume is some kind of online sleeping technology. Not sure. Ooh, um, an Ebed. An Ebed. And they went out into the fields and gathered the grapes from the vineyards and trod them and held a festival. They went into the house of their god and ate and drank and reviled Abimelech. And Gal, the son of Ebed, said, Who is Abimelech? And who are we of Shechem that we should serve him? So it looks like Gal is actually a man of Shechem and he he has the gall to... Uh, to take a stand against the king. Uh, and Gaul, the son of Ebed, then uh, says, isn't he the son of Gideon? And isn't Zebul his officer? So he, he goes on to say, uh, serve the men of Hamor, the father of Shechem, but why should we serve him? So he's, he's basically yep. leading a conspiracy within the city itself. To overthrow Abimelech, like uh, like Abimelech, kind of gained power in the first place. So he yep. he's trying to, on behalf of uh, Hamor, serve the men of Hamor, the father of Shechem. Okay, so, Hamor, so I, Shechem. I guess he he's not saying let's make somebody else king. I guess he's saying we, as the entire town, shouldn't be subservient to this dude. He's not a good guy. Yep. Okay. He's not. Cool. Uh, so then he says, would that these people were under my hand. All right. So then he's, he's, that's the language he's using that he's saying we should rule ourselves, but I should rule us ruling ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's being a little bit manipulative, trying to uh, show people that they are uh, dissatisfied with how things are running and dissatisfied with the current leadership of the city or the nation and so he's trying to essentially lead a political campaign against Abimelech yeah it sounds very much like a like the leader of the opposition saying things haven't been going well and this is how I'll change things and I'll lead us to greater things make Israel amazing uh or yeah okay yep (laughs) (laughs) so then uh all right so he's openly challenging abimelech then maybe because they're having a festival and he's quite drunk uh or something like that and zebul the ruler of the city heard the words of gal the son of ebed and his anger was kindled and so he was maybe there at the uh at the festival, or he heard secondhand from someone. Either way, yep. the commander goes to the king and says, Gaal's trying to lead an uprising. Uh, now go by night, you and the people who are with you, and set an ambush in the field. So then, even though... So it says that the leaders were trying to set an ambush. Uh, they set men in an ambush on the mountaintops. Mm-hmm. Um, but now there's a second ambush and this is Zebul who is probably involved in the conspiracy against Abimelech telling him to go set an ambush against the men of the city yep interesting alright then what happens uh, there's a whole bunch of confusion where people are coming down from the mountain but it looks like shadows and where is this? And when Gal, when Gal saw the people, he said to Zebul, Look, people are coming down from the mountaintops. And Zebul says, You mistake the shadows of the mountains for men. 
Look, people are coming down from the center of the land, and one company is coming from the direction of the Diviner's Oak. Hmm. Then Zebul said, Where is your mouth now? You who said, Who is Abimelech that we should serve him? Are not these the people whom you despised? Go out now and fight with him. He's like, he's, he's poking him. He's getting him ready. Yeah. And so Gal went out to the head of the leaders of Shechem and fought with Abimelech. Yep. And Abimelech chased him and fled, and many fell wounded. Oh, so Abimelech is winning. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yep. And but Zabul drove out Gal. So why is Zabul talking to Gal and driving him out? Well, be- Zabul like a double-faced agent. Exactly. Exactly. Because as you remember, uh, what was his name? Jotham? Jotham, with his prophecy, his curse, said that fire will come out from Abimelech and devour the leaders of Shechem and Beth Melo and let fire come out from the leaders of Shechem and from Beth Melo and devour Abimelech. So he's saying, this snake is going to eat its own tail. This okay, this yeah. thing's going to implode. Um and so that is what we see happening here. Gaal and his forces are coming down from the mountain, and Abimelech and his forces are coming up from where they lay in ambush, and they're fighting, and there's a battle. Some people die, some people run away. Abimelech seems to be safe for now, living in a rumour, but Zabul is kind of the one that is orchestrating the entire thing. So he's, yeah. he's, like, the, he's like the Palpatine in this situation creating the clone wars as both the republic and the separatists being very Uh, very sneaky uh would be emperor so that's uh star wars does the bible for this episode it needs to feature more often in my opinion on the following day the people went out into the field and abimelech was told he took his people and divided them into three companies and set more ambushes. He's just ambushing so much. Yeah, ambush city. And yeah, and they rushed forward and stood at the entrance, and two companies rushed all who were in the field and killed them. Abimelech fought against the city all that day. He captured the city and killed the people who were in it. So here's the fire. Fire is coming out of Avil and Abimelech. He raises the city and sows it with salt. Interesting. What does that Wenol, mean? Wenol, uh, it means uh, he doesn't want the fields to be used to raise any food anymore. Okay, I see. Like, you destroy the soil with salt. Yep. And when you raise a city, it's usually... You've set it on fire. And that's raise R-A-Z-E. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you haven't raised it yeah. above the ground. <laughs> you like, raise oh. me up. We're playing that tomorrow. No, Sunday. Oh, it's going nice. to be great. Very good. But I think it's in Lithuanian, so I don't know when to play the chords. Wonderful. In fact, I don't have to play that song. I have to play another song. Uh, when all the leaders of the Tower of Shechem heard it, they entered the stronghold of the house of El-Bereth. Mm. Abimelech was told that all the leaders of the Tower were gathered together. Ooh, so he can take them out as well. Interesting. And Abimelech goes up to the mount, he and all the people who were with him, and Abimelech took an he axe took an in his axe. hand. That's, he took an axe. That's amazing. So he's actually going to do some damage himself. Oh, right. Okay. And he's he he's going to cut down something. He's, he's not using an axe as a weapon. No. Oh, he right. cut down some brushwood okay. and took it and laid it on his shoulder. And he said, what you have seen me do, hurry and do as I have done. So he's getting people to like get a ton of stuff he can build a fire with. Yep. And all of his followers are getting fire as well. Oh. Uh, and he... P- Took, he put the stronghold on fire. So this fire theme is from the picture that Jotham said. So that all the people of the Tower of Shechem also died, about a thousand men and women. Wow. So Abimelech is raising some pretty good fires and death. Yep. He goes to Thebes and captured it. But there was a strong tower within the city and all the men and women, all the leaders of the city, fled to it and shut themselves in. And Abimelech came to the tower and fought against it and drew near to the door to burn it with fire, like this seems to be his um, calling card. Yep. And a certain woman threw an upper millstone, which is something they grind um, grains with. It's very heavy. Yep. 
and she throws this millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. Wow. So is is that then called? So, just just to get this straight, so they're in a tower, which is not necessarily a very tall, skinny building, but it's probably a big, well fortified building, uh, but a tall one. And so they are all on the roof of the tower. So it's like a Monty Python and the Holy Grail situation with the Frenchman on Definitely. top of the castle. And they're like, oh, look at you, you little Abimelech. You're here to burn the, burn down the tower. We're not going to let you do that. And then They're definitely French. Yeah, exactly. So from the very top of the tower, she takes the millstone. So this is, this is an amazing shot. This is like a one in a million shot. Let's assume that they are five stories up. Yep. Even three stories up. That's a great shot. And so then And it's not like she had five millstones to attempt. She probably had one. Exactly. So this was one in a million shot. She uh she she hit the uh the nail on the head as it were, the nail being Abimelech in this case. And as we remember from the story of uh Deborah and Barak, the um, Cicera, the opposing general, he was killed by a woman, and that was humiliating in uh, in this culture, as, especially as far as warfare went, because they were not warriors typically. So then, yeah. uh, this is likewise a very humiliating death for somebody who claimed to be king for three years and uh, came about it in a very sinister manner. So Abimelech gets his head crushed by a millstone and dies amazing so sad but he freaks out and gets his armor bearer to stab him right yes exactly yeah so So he's not disgraced yeah but of course he's still disgraced because we know this story and it has lived on and we know that his his last action was to say Quick, you kill me so that a woman didn't. So, yeah. jokes on him, I suppose. After all that, jokes on him. He did. But the uh, the young man was the one that actually fulfilled the uh, the prophecy of Jotham by by killing him. Uh, yep. But the woman did the uh, the hard work. So when the Misra- when the the when the Israel the men of Israel. With the Israel. The Israel. There's a portmanteau for you. Uh, saw that Abimelech was dead. Everyone departed to his home. So they're like, "All right, party's up. Sorry, guys. Yeah, All right, the, we're done the here." Music stops, and suddenly everyone's like, "Clear out! The police is here, or the parents are home." That's more like it. Yeah. Uh, so then they all just go back home. And thus, God returned the evil of Abimelech, which he committed against his father in killing his seventy brothers. 69 really and god also made all the evil of the men of shechem return on their heads and upon them came the curse of jotham the son of jerobal yeah jeremy what was uh, was there anything else you wanted to talk about abimelech before we move on to chapter 10 uh, i find it interesting sometimes in the bible how often you have this cycle of good bad dad sons or great dads like dads that do amazing things and then terrible sons like you watch mm. David and he's a man after God's heart and he does amazing things for God and then you have Absalom who is just mm-hmm. this renegade punk and you have Solomon who is very wise but ends up doing the opposite of what God tells him to with regard to um, wives yep. and and you, we Modern see that here example, you have Will oh, yeah, Smith all the time. who was a great actor and then <laughs> His whole family line and acting ability got flipped, turned upside down with his son Jaden. So he's not a go. good guy. Uh, it's not that he's not a great guy, although I'm sure he probably isn't that amazing. But his acting abilities are less than his father's, so we'll just leave it there. Oh, true. But Absalom did have like political intentions. He tried to take power instead of it given to him because. He wasn't the first born, so he's jealous. Right. But it's just mm-hmm. interesting here, too, that Abimelech is politically minded, but terrible in its um, attempt to get it. Yeah, so he was ambitious, too, because he had yeah. 70 brothers, so... Yeah, mm-hmm. and 
Gideon wasn't necessarily... I mean, yeah, Gideon wasn't necessarily uh, that word you just used. Ambitious? Oh, ambitious, that's the word. Wow, brain, good stuff. Um, <laughs> and so it's interesting that too, that David wasn't ambitious. And I wonder if Will Smith was ambi- ambitious and now everyone's sons are just like, got a daddy issue, I suppose. That mm. could be it. Maybe there's a psychology thinking. I'm not a psychologist. Sometimes I wish I right. was. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, so in a way you're saying if he didn't grow up under his father essentially as king and uh, grow up in such wealth and prosperity that maybe he would have approached things differently and would have been more humble about it yeah or you wonder what his other brothers were like if all of them were like this and Gideon's mm. fatherhoodness uh, trained them in this or if right. it was just this one renegade punk who was the youngest and the least close to the kingly line Sure. Well, we didn't know how old he was at the beginning, and so... 84! He was 84 years old when he was called as a young man, uh, relatively speaking, I suppose, compared to someone like Methuselah, but... uh, He old! Yeah, it just said that he died old and full of years, so let's just assume he was probably old enough to have had a kid or two by the time he was called, but not old enough to have the kids grown up, maybe? Methuselah? 40 years of peace. No, Gideon. Oh, yeah, okay. It's like, Methuselah? <laughs> he probably had heaps of children. Yeah, <laughs> very true. All right, well, uh, okay, so with that brief brief look back at Abimelech, uh, after <laughs> dedicating this entire episode to him, let's move on to chapter 10. Uh, which doesn't have too much in it. It's only 18 verses long, but it has a couple of little snippets that are perhaps significant in the grand scheme of things because this comes right on the back of the the peace under Gideon and then the, the uh, downfall of his lineage and his son especially, who was supposedly leading Israel. Um, but right after Abimelech, Tola, the son of Pua, the son of Dodo, uh, who let's just assume was going the way of the Dodo, as yeah. Tola was going the way he of the Pua. Yes, exactly. Uh, they lived in Shamir, uh, in the country of Ephraim. So, lots of people coming from Ephraim, that kind of central region of, region of Israel. And he judged Israel for 23 years. And then he died and was buried at Shamir. So, not much is said about him just that he walked in the ways of his father and his grandfather, the Dodo, um, who, let's just assume, by the end of his life, was extinct. Uh, then, after him, rose Jair, the Gileadite, uh, from Gilead, obviously, who judged Israel for 22 years, and he had 30 sons who rode on 30 donkeys, and they had 30 cities called havoth Jair, which are the dwelling places of Jair, uh, and they were in the land of Gilead, and Jair died and was buried in Carmon. Uh, Come on! <laughs> so, what do you think the significance of having 30 sons and 30 donkeys and 30 cities is? Ah, the, the significance is. There we go. What do I think the significance of the 30? Yes. I think there was no significance, and I don't think there were cities. I think there were tent encampments. And maybe the boys just needed other farming land or the boys wanted their own encampments that they could call something. Like, oh, this is Jeremy Town. <laughs> and maybe that would grow into something down the line. Sure. What do you think? Well, I think the fact that he had uh, 30 sons who rode on 30 donkeys and they each had their own city... Uh, it looks to me like maybe Jer was making a little bit too much out of his own legacy. Yeah. Maybe he was trying to establish a name for himself. Yep. Uh, since the the tent cities are called the dwelling places of Jer. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe this is just showing that the trajectory of Israel is going down. Um with the with each subsequent judge along the mm. way yeah uh 
And we're only a couple away from Samson, who is the last and the most tragic of the judges, so... You would say he's the most tragic? Uh, potentially, because I think he had the most potential. Okay. <laughs> um, he had the most potential to, to completely change Israel's trajectory, and yeah. instead he gave in to the lust of the flesh and whatnot, so... Yeah, I, I think this is... The fact that he is the last of the judges portrayed is supposed to depict him as a tragedy. Um, even though Jephthah, as we'll see in the next uh, the next episode along the way, has a tragic spin as well. So things are kind of spiralling down. Yeah. Um, especially since Othniel and Ehud and stuff. At the beginning, they were, they were pretty decent people. And especially Deborah did a good job. And now we have a couple of judges who don't have much to their names um except for jer who makes a name for himself and i th- i think it was probably pride um trying to establish himself as significant among the the previous judges trying to make a name for himself like with a uh, kiss dressing up in their particular costumes and stuff while playing music it's part of their branding um and also so kept it very anonymous in real life yeah that's true. I mean, again, bands like uh, Slipknot and and other bands like that that have a particular image that they are wanting to maintain. I think it was reputation. He was trying to um, establish himself as a competent and uh, I don't know esteemed judge yeah. among all the all the rest. So yeah, I, I don't think it was necessarily done out of a, a out of a good place. Fair enough. And then we go into the uh, second part of the chapter, which is entitled Further Disobedience and Oppression, which mm. is just another cycle of sadness and darkness in this dark, dark book. Yeah. And uh, it just covers some, almost some more generica of um, not doing great. Words like, yeah. so that Israel was severely distressed. Yeah, my goodness. They forsook the Lord and did not serve Him, etc., yeah. etc. Until well, it, it, sorry, it, it makes great pains to uh, to go into detail about the different gods that they served, and as we remember from Exodus, with the Ten Commandments, the first the first commandment was that you shall have no other gods before me, and this is showing that they are doing exactly what God warned them not to do yep. when going about the conquest that if they didn't completely destroy all these strongholds and and stuff throughout the land, then further down the line, they would end up serving those gods and be oppressed and have consequences as a result. And so this this is exactly what's happening. I wonder if that um, get rid of these out of the land means actually destroy them from your land or to just get them out of mind. And what the people actually did was just keep them in their house and keep serving them. Because... Yeah, okay. I can't imagine that if you had an altar to a different god on a hillside near your house, that that would definitely mean that one day you'd be like, Oh, look at this, I'm going to serve it. Yeah. But it definitely means if it's still in their minds. Like, I interact with a lot of people here that still refer to karma and brownie points a lot. Like, ooh, if I do this, I'll get good karma points. I'm like, eh, I just don't see if that's a safe thing to just keep in your vocabulary. Because it takes you away from the fact that God doesn't have that system with us. Um, Anyway, so then we get to uh, this interaction between the people of Israel, in quotation marks, and God, and they cry out, we have sinned against you because we have forsaken our God and served the Baals, just like what you said. And the Lord said back, did I not save you? Did I not take you away from oppression? Did I not rescue you? And you cried out to me and I saved you out of their land. Yet you have forsaken mm-hmm. me and served other gods. Go and cry out to the gods whom you have chosen and let them save you in the time of your distress. So he's like, go test them. Like, you believe in them and you serve them. So let's see if they can do anything because I have proved myself many times. Mm-hmm. And... And the Amorites were called, and they encamped in Gilead. And the people yep. of Israel came together and they encamped, and the people said to one another, 
Who is the man who will begin to fight against the Ammonites? He will be head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. Ooh, leaving it on a cliffhanger. Who yep. is this mysterious who man? Who is this mystery? I guess we'll never know. Nope, that's the end of Scripture Bed Radley. Badly. Scripture Bed Radley. And uh, you have to read the rest yourself. That's how you yeah. read Scripture Badly. You just stop halfway through it. Exactly, exactly. Well, or you could just listen to us do it, because that's uh, we do it for you. We plan. read Scripture Badly so you don't have to. Although we would like yep. you to. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 I'm sure it would help some part of your spiritual growth to read it for yourself. But yep. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so with all of that said, we did have a look back on Abimelech. But with this last part here, I'll just uh, leave the listeners with some advice. And Jeremy, you can queue up a blessing. So, listeners, now I know... That some of you may have parents whose names are Will Smith uh, and Jay Smith. Is that her name? I don't know. Anyway. No. Uh, it's Jada Pinkett Smith. Jada Pinkett Smith. <laughs> Whoa. All right. Bless you. Thank uh, you. That's my job. I'm blessing. <laughs> that's right. Well, if you have parents who are the Smiths, um, even if your parents' names aren't Jada Pinkett and Will or Willard, I think his name is actually Willard, that's pretty funny, uh, then just remember that you don't have to be like your parents. Oh! But at the same time, you can still choose to walk in their ways, like with Tola, who walked in the way of Pua, in the way of the Dodo, who seemed to be doing things in a, in a, good, uh, in a good kind of way that honoured the legacy of those that came before and furthered the legacy of the one who walked. So there is still potential if your parents are the Smiths to act well or find a way that you can honor their legacy while making a name for yourself and then allowing yourself to have a legacy. Make sense of that if you can. Uh, what I took from that is don't smoke crack, just get scared. Exactly. Uh, and may all of the baselines that you learned for the conference you're playing based at be used during the conference. Bless you all. <laughs> yes, Bless Lord. you all. <laughs>